everybody, Mike here for the Vine Rant. Uh, I'm here with Dave and hey. Richard. Richard, yeah. And uh, we're going to talk about the federal budget uh, that came out yesterday and how it's going to affect first-time homebuyers. And uh, yeah, well, Dave. What, what little we know about that. <laughs> yeah, <what little? laughs> yeah, very little. Now, Richard, Richard, I know you read a whole bunch today on the train, so... Uh, uh, well, yeah. Yeah, I, I uploaded the article before. Wait, 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 wait. Uh, you, you take a train in? <laughs> <laughs> I drove in. My wife moved the car okay. today. So. <laughs> curious, but go on. Sorry. <laughs> so, you know, the federal budget for first-time home buyers sounds pretty good. Uh, there's a CMHC program where the for new homes, it appears as though the government's going to be offering up to 10%. Uh, it's a shared equity program. So no interest i'm assuming on on their offer uh it would be in addition to your existing five percent you have to have your five percent down um for new homes and then five percent would be uh for existing homes so but but it, it's capped at a property value of 450 is it not? Four, 480 480 no 480 is the cma including cmhc fee so okay. 480 is the mortgage amount all right so okay. let's, so let's just base our Conversation on a four fifty purchase price. Okay, five or, or four fifty mortgage actually. Yeah. So so you're buying a home for five hundred grand, right? Basically, and then uh, and then the income, family household income has to be one hundred and twenty thousand or less. Or less, yeah. 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 So that's pretty interesting. I, you know, I wonder how that would apply for self-employed because you know gross business income <laughs> would if would be, if, <laughs> if they use a typical uh, you know. Uh, NOA and T1 general. Like, yeah, net income, there's, there, there could be definitely a lot of people that are qualifying, right? <laughs> I have a lot of clients who gross like three, four hundred grand a year, but show 20 grand their NOAs. I guess there they qualify. Go. They yeah. qualify. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That'll be interesting, right? Well, here's the thing. Uh, let's see what they come up with. But I think a lot of people will try to take advantage of this and maybe misuse it, unfortunately, for what it's really intended for. But the other thing is, is it doesn't even make sense. But no, but let's talk about, just, so, it doesn't make sense, but let's talk about the benefit. So I did the calculation. Let's just assume uh, the mortgage was 450, mm-hmm. um, and the government on a new home is going to rebate you or give you an interest-free free loan of yeah. 10%. 45,000. So, so 45,000. So the calculation on that, the difference in interest or difference in the monthly payment is about $200 a month. That's that's, that's a lot. Significant. That's that's basically like $40,000 in, in mortgage qualifying. So this really could help somebody, yeah. you know, first-time homebuyer get into the market and maybe buy something a little more. Um, that, that's and, almost and, like qualifying on a thirty-year M. All of a oh. sudden, now you're all of a sudden you're almost qualifying on a thirty-year. So, you know, that 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 could be all the difference for someone who's on the fence. It could be a difference to somebody in in markets like, like you know, or Toronto or I think know Vancouver. There's anything like first-time buyers. Uh, entry-level condo or just in the suburbs, if you would, um, you know, the difference of getting in the market and not being able to get in the market at all. Because at 500, 450 to 500, you may be able to find something. But if under the old rules, you might be stuck at a, at a 400 purchase price or under and you can't find anything. This doesn't exist, right? Yeah. I think the markets that are really going to benefit mostly from this is going to be um, places like Alberta where their average prices are, are more in line with that. Yeah. Uh, you know, uh, the prairies, the East Coast, uh, I think they're going to get a great benefit of that. GTA is just not, not going to well, GTA, when your average price is a million dollars for a house, no, necessarily. Yeah. It'll be a small group of people, entry level, who might be able to benefit on a, on a small condo or a very small townhouse outside of the outskirts of the city. 
you know. And the reality, like you were saying, so like anything um, over 500,000, so it's 5% down on the first 500 grand and 10% down over that. So like you said, like the housing prices here in the GTA, like for one bedroom condo, $500,000, I mean like that. It's gonna be hard to find, but there there are stuff out there. Don't be surprised if you see builders trying to scale down on footprint just to try to get this price point, you know, try to satisfy this, this opportunity, right? I think it's pretty interesting from from like an insurer standpoint from CMHC, being that they're you're offering a pure equity position on property. It doesn't sound like they're, off, they're charging interest on the loan. They're just reducing. Well, you have to pay it back on, an, on the yeah, point yeah, of sale yeah. or, or refinance. But, but from a C, from CMHC's standpoint, they're, they're insuring the loan. Mm-hmm. They're now just reducing the costs for their borrower, mm-hmm. and all of a sudden now they're probably looking at a lot less likelihood of, of having to cover. A payout, right? If the if the borrower defaults on the loan, they're less likely to default on the loan because their, their carrying costs are lower. Ah, they're still going to qualify the same way they would normally qualify. Look, to me personally, this is just a you know a great ploy for votes. Yeah, I think the product's kind of actually crappy, to be honest with you. I think here's the reality: the reality is this government's overstepped their 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 uh, position with regards to trying to overregulate the market mm-hmm. with the qualifier. That qualifier really, really hurt everybody. And having people try to qualify at a, yeah. at a factor rate of basically 5.35, roughly, is it? 5.34, yeah, the five, benchmark. Three, yeah, yeah. yeah, see, that benchmark rate is too high. Like, rates are not projected to go out there in the next two or three years, uh, especially when the lenders are talking about rates and everyone feels their rates are coming down in, in the short term, right? So I don't understand. Why not just change the qualifier and create something that's a little bit more level playing field and has a real longevity? But don't, but don't you think that the whole goal of that was also to uh, cool the market in terms of housing prices? Well, yes. Just- and it made sense when we were using a qualifier of four and a half, you know? But when you're almost at five and a half on the qualifier, it just doesn't make any sense anymore. Yeah. Right? And I think, I, I think they, they've, they've overstepped there and the market's overcorrected and now they're panicking and they're trying to piece of their, their, their voters. And you look at the price point that they use. It's obviously going to be very attractive outside of their traditional vote, you know, voting base. You know, the big cities in Toronto and yeah. Vancouver who are going to support them probably regardless. Uh, they're not getting a real big benefit here. It's going out to the smaller communities uh, and, and where they're probably having some, some issues with voting support. I think at the end of the day what they should do is, is go back to the drawing table and change the qualifier, which is what the industry has been asking for. Yeah for about a year and a half now. We've been lobbying and saying, hey, the qualifier is great. It's great to have some protections in there, but why not make it something that is more realistic and in line with real projections is what's expected to happen well, in the next are going five up. years. Incomes are going up with inflation too, right? <clears throat> yeah, and well, inflation is driving incomes, but I think government's expecting that that will outstrip this. So, yeah. so this is, then it goes back to the question. If government, government's in, with the qualifier overcorrected the market and slowed it down, mm-hmm. the impacted negatively, uh, and economic, we're seeing because the impact of that, there, there is a ripple effect. Uh, isn't this kind of a bit of an of artificial stimulation? So they're not really helping housing prices. If they're basically saying to everybody, hey, we're going to help you get into the market, you just basically took that entry level price point and you made it that much more attractive. Guess what's going to happen? You can see your prices rise yeah. because you just created more buyers <laughs> yeah. for a market where we have limited supply already. Yeah. Which they've done yeah. nothing to do is yeah. increase Yeah, so you haven't done yeah. anything to, pr- to help housing prices. Well, look at, we'll, we'll see where the prices are in five years and what types of issues first time home buyers are looking at. And, and even three years after this takes effect, this is a three year plan. It's a one, one $1.25 billion year mark for inv- uh, investment in the home mm-hmm. equity sharing program. 
for the next three years. Is that going to continue? Is it just going to continue to be something? That the other well, problem with the timeline is you create a business, uh, a panic, a surge. People just start going, hey, I got to get in the market now. Yeah. Well, and, you know, it's, it's the alter yeah, jumping I mean, in. We see every time interest rates change. You see a rate rates uh, drop, you tend to see people kind of sit on the side. The minute there's a rate increase, everybody jumps off and jumps in the marketplace. Yeah. And you see real surges and, and increases in activity. And this is going to be the same thing. It's going to create that surge. When all the data comes out and people really understand what's there, and I assume it's going to be relatively juicy, um, you know, I think you're going to see a lot of people jump in those price points and they're probably going to artificially jump up uh, values. And, and, and they haven't indicated as to how they're going to have to pay it back either. So, I mean, well, let's be sale. real. They said point of sale or refinance, I believe. Is, is, oh, is that what they said? Yeah, yeah, yeah. But this is just an interest-free loan. I mean, so yeah, Basically, it's great, yeah. which taxpayers are paying for. I think there's just, like you said, there's better ways to stimulate the market to get... You know, I think they want to in increase uh, like 1.6 million um, young buyers to get mm -hmm. into the market. And they said that by doing this, they're going to increase the number of transactions by 100,000 to 140,000. So they're going to increase sales by 40%. Yeah. <laughs> so <laughs> they're going to increase sales for a very select group of, of people. Um, that is that, And where there's a shortage of supply, like, I'm sorry, but like, let's face it, builders are not going to build that inventory overnight. Mm -hmm. Builders are gonna wake up tomorrow and be like, all right, I'm building product at 500,000 under, starting today, you know, and I'm gonna have it to market and ready to go in the next 12 months. It's not gonna happen. It takes time to develop mm -hmm. land. Mm -hmm. You know, developers can take two to three years, so they won't even be able to make the cut. Mm -hmm. So it's gonna be interesting to see how this all plays out. I just think, it, personally, I think changing the qualifier, which will be available to everybody, mm -hmm. everybody in, in, in the Canadian population will benefit from that, would be a lot better than, than, than this, this uh, Smoke and mirrors. And, 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 and maybe increase the amortization on a high ratio mortgage to well, 30 yeah. years, right? Like, like, why, like just, yeah. why not give it a 30 year end, right? Yeah. Right. You know, you're young. If, if, if the objective is to get young buyers into the home, if you're young and you presumably between mid 20s and mid 30s and you're, you're getting to your first home, um, you have a long time, man. 30 year end is not the end of the world. Yeah. You know, it's not a big deal. Uh, so, yeah, I think 30 year end should definitely come back for high mm -hmm. ratio. So let, let's talk about the uh, RSP contribution uh, for mm -hmm. first-time home buyer withdrawal. That's good. I think that's great. That's so great. so they're looking to increase it from $25,000 maximum to $35,000. Yeah. Yep. Um, I mean, like... The when you look at applications, you obviously see the assets that people have. Like, mm -hmm. do, do a lot of people have a lot more in their RSP that they could withdraw, you know, under this kind of program if they could do 35 grand? And would they use those funds? It's mid-March. Would have been good to know this at the, uh, at the end of February before the RSP deadline. <laughs> <laughs> well, well, you can still make your RSP contribution. You for for 2019. Well, well, you know, and this brings up a good point because I had a client that just purchased and she made a contribution yep. to her RSP this year and, um, and it has to be in there 90 days before yeah. she can withdraw it yep. while she's closing in like 60. Yeah. Well, by the time so, all this stuff comes out and if this actually gets implemented, look, this so, is So th this isn't going to get implemented until September and yeah. it has to pass legislation. So yeah, we don't of, even know. Oh, this no, is, I, this I, is an election I, issue. I, heard, right now. I don't know. I was reading an article uh, Apparently, it's effective immediately. The thirty-five. Really? Oh, yeah. oh, the, the RSP. Yeah, the RSP yeah, yeah, is yeah. apparently it's effective immediately. Twenty-five is now thirty-five. I don't know yeah. if it's if it's uh, an extended period for repayment. Uh, is it still the fifteen years? You have to repay the. I would 35? assume so. Yeah. I would assume so. Yeah. I, look, that, I think it's a would, good thing. The RSP. The RSP is is, is is a wonderful opportunity. There are people. How many young people? You know, young people. Uh, actually have 35 grand in their RSP. Probably not as many as you, you would hope. Yeah. But there will be maybe some younger couples who combined can maybe top up their RSP 
you know, people who are professionals who get bonuses um, and uh, take advantage of this. So I think there'll be a, a nice group of people that can take advantage of it, you know? Yeah, so I think there, there's, there's some good stuff in there. So if that's 15 years on a $35,000 repayment, it's like 20, probably like $2,500 per year over the next 15 years. Yeah, but if you're, if you're contributing on a regular basis, two yeah. to three grand a year, then, you know, it'll work out just fine. I mean, if, if, if that's the case and you're, buying, and you're buying a new home and you're going to have all your other costs associated, you know, first-time home buyer, mm-hmm. maybe if, the, if it's not an extended 15-year period on, uh, on that, 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 could, that could be something that, I mean, you don't have to repay it for the first two years, so for, so for the first two well, years... Well, you don't have to pay it. It becomes taxable income if you don't pay it back, that portion. Right. True. Okay. So it's not, it's not like the end of the world, right? Yeah. Hopefully, they, I, I'm just saying, hopefully they, they extend the, the repayment period. I don't know if that's, if that's something that they've included, mm-hmm. um, but on, on 35 grand for an additional, uh, you know, additional 10 grand that you can now withdraw, hopefully, hopefully they're expanding the, the, the period that you can repay it in. No, we'll see what, what, if anything comes out on that. Is there anything else in the budget that you guys uh, read that uh, we can talk about today? No, man, I think this, that was pretty much all I read. Um, you know, I was really curious about the whole thing with CMHC. I'm very curious to see what the, what, what all the, the, the other fine, in- fine print will be when it all comes out. The other insurers will probably be, you know, all over this wondering. Well, I think you know, the, insu- the other actual- insurers will probably follow up eventually, right? It's, yeah. uh, generally, that's, that's the trend, right? CMHC starts, starts uh, the wave and then the others jump on board with their authorization. Um, it'll be interesting to see how this all plays out. Yeah, it's like, why did they pick four hundred fifty or four hundred eighty thousand uh, dollar CMHC loan cannot exceed four hundred eighty grand? Like, why that number? You know. Well, I think it's because the income thing, right? They use also one twenty, right? And that's approximately the type of income you would need to qualify for a five hundred purchase price high ratio. So I think that's why they're uh, they're, they're using that. Um, you know, middle class family, two people making sixty grand each. It's it's. It's great yeah. politics. Yeah, 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 it is. Yeah. <laughs> like, I'm sorry, but it's great politics. You know, I think things like, you know, look, let's give it some credit. Like, CMHC's done some great things. They came out with some great programs for self-employed, newly self-employed that have been phenomenal. Uh, unfortunately, not all lenders have, have bought in yet, but as lenders start jumping on board and it becomes widely available to, every, to everybody, uh, there are some great, great programs out there. Uh, I think this is, is more politically driven than necessarily a good, you know, policy as far as I go but you know I think we'll see how it plays out yeah it, it'd be interesting to see it, it should, you know hopefully it's just a, like a $40,000 shared equity program that equity hopefully doesn't grow with the growth of the property well that was one thing that people were asking is is is, is if this is an equity share yeah. what happens when market values rise is it just the 40 and, and no one's back? been I haven't seen an answer yet online as to what the, <laughs> the response is and that'll be part of the red tape I don't know. I, I would assume that they're, it should they're not going to do that. It should be just an interest-free loan. Interest-free loan. You sell, interest free, 40 you pay, grand. pay back your 40 grand. Hey, back your if it's grand. an equity play, then, as hey. a, then this actually might be a good, good move then as a taxpayer. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, smoke and mirrors maybe. But. Yeah, well, I don't know. I think uh, we'll see what the, what the red tape is, is in, in all, the, all the fine print when that comes out. But uh, that is a question a lot of people have been asking is what happens when market values rise, you know? Look, this is here's the the short is is this is going to be good for a lot of people who are on the fence. Yeah, uh, it's going to get them in the market, and I think that's wonderful. Um, unfortunately, it may create actually work against them as far as the objective to try to keep housing affordable, in the sense that it'll uh, maybe stimulate that entry level price point and drive it upward because of of the increase in demand. 
and shortage of supply. So that I think that's what's, uh, what we have to keep an eye out for. For sure. Yeah. Anything else? Anything else going on? I, I, uh, I think we've, we've uh, topped the, uh, the first time homebuyer stuff. I think we've gone through this already. Eh? Yeah. The rest of the budgets, uh, there's, there's a whole bunch of stuff in there, like journalism and like, uh, I don't know. It's, it's, it's that's seems pretty, yeah. pretty that's, robust. That's, beyond, that's beyond my, my pay grade, man. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, I think that I think that's it. That's you know, it. Uh, this is a, a short one. Jeez, usually when I'm on these things, these things go on forever. Well, we can we can talk about something else if you got something else in mind. But um, I think obviously it was important for us to talk about yeah, the budget today. And, day, uh, day after, so yeah, I think the budget came out. I think we'll talk about this. I think we're going to be talking about insurance soon. You don't have a, have a lot of a big viewpoint in that. Um, but uh, for now, I think I'm good. Okay. Well, Great. actually, you know what? No, let's take one more minute, Dave. Well, can we well, take one more minute because you felt sure. this was really short. Let's, let's, can we just briefly talk about interest rates, where they've gone in the last couple of weeks and, sure. and, and where yeah. you're positioning your clients in terms of fixed versus variable rate mortgages? Because I think that's important right now. Well, look, I, when it comes to fixed versus variable, I think it's always a question of, of people's risk tolerance and, and people's comfort level. There are people who are just not comfortable going variable small group of people, but there are people like that. Um, you know, I think right now with bond yields as the way they are and what we're hearing a lot of uh, 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 economists coming out and, and speaking is, is the consensus seems to feel that, hey, your rates will probably be very moderate uh, and, and they might actually drop in the near future. We're seeing fixed rates continuing to drop. So um, I'm recommending clients to really consider the variable. Um, if, if this trend continues, I think uh, we might see uh, we might see the the discount on Prime start dropping as well. Like, let's face it, the reason why Prime hasn't uh, the discount on the variable hasn't come down has been because of some, you know, lack of deposits at the banks with all the new new requirements for the reserve funds. But that will also kind of just balance itself out over time, and and I think people can really win on a variable. So going to a variable, if fixed rates go down, then lock in. If you, if, if that maybe if that in. suits you, or 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 do you think that the Bank of Canada could lower their rates? I think they could. Maybe not in twenty nineteen, but in twenty twenty. Yeah. Um, you know, if, if the economy be. continues to sputter the way that they're indicating that it is now. Yeah. The, the, what do you the, think? The spread between you know five year fixed and five year variable right now at its most competitive levels, it's not it's not very big. Like, no, if you're if you're going, you know, with a five-year fix versus a five-year variable on a conventional mortgage, you're probably looking at a spread between maybe like forty points between the two. Uh, so I don't know. It's I think you, well, that would they, be on a high ratio, but on a conventional, on a conventional they're about the same. Like they're, they're almost the same. Yeah, they're almost, they're almost the same. Almost the same. So I don't know. Bits, right? It's tough to say, and nobody, nobody has a crystal ball. Like it's tough to 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 look at that. But I mean, let's say you do go variable. And then you want to flip into fix later. You're tied to that lender, um, and are they really going to offer you the most competitive salute, uh, competitive fixed rate uh, flip right into? Otherwise, you're facing the penalty. So, it, so it's it's tough. And I think it always comes back down to like as Dave said, what's the risk tolerance perspective, right? And and when you're when you when you have a real estate portfolio, you should look at all all of the different um, mortgages within that portfolio and, and see where well, the yeah, overall yeah. risk perspective is. And you got to look at the product itself, right? There's some products out there that are, are kind of frightening. I don't know if you guys ever talked about that. Right. Variables where uh, payments are locked in and fixed. We had a situation mm-hmm, recently sure. where a client came into uh, the office here and uh, once switched their mortgage out from one FI to the other just to find out that uh, because rates have moved. Yeah, that their amortization actually went backwards because they didn't adjust the payment on the variable because rate. Because their lender the rates never adjusted the payment. And the funny thing is, the client, the first thing they said is, "Oh, I want the exact same type of product," 
you know, but just a better rate because that lender is no longer offering a great rate on renewal. And surprise, surprise, not only did they lose the five years AM, they actually were three years above the original AM. <laughs> so uh, the client was obviously furious, you know, and the, the difference was like a couple hundred bucks, yeah. like 150, 200 dollars a month. That's what it was. So uh, I think you have to look at your product and, and ask yourself, hey, what's the what's the lenders? Uh, how do they historically deal with their customers, right? Mm -hmm. If that's the type of lender that you're going into, then I'd probably be very concerned about taking a variable with those type of conditions. Mm -hmm. um, so I'd probably want to look at that red tape. And also you want to look at lenders who, you know, what have they historically done? Have they, you know, targeted uh, customers by increasing their rates internally, prime rate internally? Have they historically given clients good rates on renewals? I find that mm -hmm. most lenders will fight for you if you're going to convert from a variable to a fix because your penalty is only three months interest. Mm -hmm. They will fight to retain you, especially in this market mm -hmm. where transaction volume is down, so retention has become huge, mm -hmm. huge. In fact, I would argue that most lenders will probably offer you a better rate on retention. Really? I've, uh, actually, I, would, I, I, uh, I would beg to, I would differ, I would, I would, I wouldn't, like I've, I've been, I've been on the other side of trying to retain with pricing tools like when I worked at the bank. Yeah, but that's, Sen that's when, not now. Now's different than look, like look, six months ago or a year ago. I've experienced this uh, But it's, it's a lot of work. It's a lot of work to do mm -hmm. to switch your mortgage out, right? And, and I think that the bank knows that and the lender knows that it's, it's you're going through the ringer to have to switch your mortgage. You're, you're looking at discharge statements. You're looking at a new income qualification under stress test rules. Yeah. Under And, and the lenders stress out the process. They draw out yeah. uh, the discharge statement. They make it a little bit more difficult than it should be, obviously. But there, at the end of the day, though, um, you know, people will still make the transition if they're going to save money. But here's the thing. So, like, I've had a couple switches recently. Depends on where, the, on where the I've offered the client a much better rate than where their, their mm -hmm. current uh, lender was offering. So we already started the process. We had the discharge statement. This lender called the client three times. One touch point when they asked uh, what their penalty would be yeah. or to, to get out of it. Yeah. One when they received the discharge statement and then another time um, before they actually discharged the mortgage. And the client obviously was happy with my service and she stayed with me. But um, to your point, yeah, retention, they're fighting hard they're to fighting keep, those, hard. keep those yeah. clients. And um, you know, retentions, you know, they, they get, as soon as the bank, as soon as the lender gets the discharge statement from the other lender, that there's it's a whole retention process right like yeah. it goes through escalation it goes through oh you get this this individual you have to call so th there's definitely it's there but it it's not not like i just you know retention i don't think is completely aggressive widespread across all, all i think it's gone a lot more aggressive than you probably realize yeah. i say this to all my clients why didn't they offer you the best rate if you're their client for so long out of the gate when yeah. i when i offered the you thing. the best rate my lender doesn't right. even know well, who you that's, are. That's so, from the get-go. That's so, that speaks volumes. You know, if yeah. you're getting offered the most aggressive rate, whoever it is, if you're, you're chatting on a refinance, switch, purchase, uh, whoever, you should always, as a borrower, pay respects to those individuals, that you're, the specialists or the agents that are going out of the gate from the get-go with, with the best offering. Well, I think at the end of the day, we know that majority of people just sign on the original offer. And that's why the banks don't generally give the best rate. Right, it's, it's um, yeah. you know, but I find the monoline lenders are, are a little bit more aggressive, and they tend to be very close to uh, the premium pricing to try to retain their client. Right. Look, at the end of the day, as a customer, you need to do your due diligence, and having a, a good advisor on your end, a, a good mortgage agent to work with you and, and look at the marketplace and give you alternatives mm -hmm. is, is key. So always get that second opinion. Look, mm -hmm. if you get yeah. a second opinion, best case scenario is you find out that you got a great offer and you just stay where you are. 
Worst case scenario, you find a better offer and you move. But you're still, <laughs> yeah. still going to save money, right? No, it's a win-win. Yeah, definitely, you, you got to shop around, right? Yeah. I think, I think uh, that just wrapped it up. That was wrapped nice. it up. That's it. Just wrapped it up. Boop, boop. Yeah. That's for Hugo because he's not here. <laughs> <laughs> That's it for the rant. I should have put a beard on, you know? <laughs>